Hi everyone, welcome back to the 21 and Sensory podcast with me, Emily. On today's episode, I have the very lovely Ella Maisie Purvis. Hello. <laughs> Ella is a classically trained ballet dancer who went on to retrain as an actor at Lambda. And in case you're unaware, um, that's the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Ella's TV and film credits include Blueprint, a BFI short, Heartstopper on Netflix, Malpractice for ITV, and A Kind of Spark for BBC. So, Ooh. Ella, would you want to say hello? <laughs> hello. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird um, <clears throat> hearing that read out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm like, really, did I? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Are you still yeah. kind of getting to grips with all those things after your name? <laughs> well, yeah, because also, like, you expect, I, I mean, I expected um, to not be working, and I'm not working at the minute, but I was, I'm so grateful that I got an agent out of drama schools and, and you know, Divergent Talent Group are amazing, because mm-hmm. I think otherwise I'd just be, like, floundering and, you know, very, very stuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I get you. Um. I guess maybe we could we could start with that seeing as you kind of mentioned it because obviously I mentioned that you're a classically trained ballet dancer so yes. kind of what what was the kind of experience of retraining like why did you decide to go from kind of dancing to acting well I hmm I think ballet is very cut and dry like mm-hmm. it's very black and white and so that was kind of my language I could understand that like if something was wrong it was wrong mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> also I apologize for my voice um but yeah so and ballet teachers are famously very very blunt and yeah. so I really liked having you know somewhere where if it was wrong I knew it was wrong and I could do it right mm-hmm. um but then I just I got to a certain level and, you know, I had to make the decision, like, okay, am I going to pursue this as a full-time career or am I just going to kind of let it go? And I was like, it's not actually making me that happy. So I'm going to let it go. Um, But then obviously I still kind of needed something to do and like get my teeth into. And then I was doing, you know, drama at school and whatnot. And I was like, oh yeah, I actually really, really like that. Um, <laughs> And then it was it was genuinely like an overnight switch. I was like, right, okay, I'm going to be an actor, and I am going to go to drama school. Um, Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I'm going. Okay, I mean, yeah, if you set your mind to it, cool. And I was like, yep, yep, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I think it was the pandemic. I stopped dancing like altogether. Um, you know I'd kind of started to filter out of my life a bit and also I was too naughty for ballet classes like I I was oh I had a I had a friend um oh my gosh and we were so bad we were so bad we would drive our ballet teacher just like genuinely up the wall I feel bad about it now, but I don't think I've ever laughed so much, like sniggering, trying to just like sit there going, <laughs> Amazing. It's quite a kind of silent environment other than music as well, isn't it? So it's quite hard to like not, you know, laugh yes. and make each other laugh. <laughs> I know. And there's always like, there's a certain point I need to get words out. Like after mm-hmm. about an hour of not speaking, I'm like, I'm going to start screaming. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 
acting felt like a or you know drama felt like a natural progression from that Mm -hmm. and what sort of age were you when you kind of made that switch oh I was 16 I think Mm -hmm. 16 I vividly remember like in secondary school you know I went to like a I didn't go to a fancy school um and I remember that kind of switch and I was like right I am going to read all of the plays in the drama office and I say office it was not an office it was like a like a broom cupboard like an actual broom um but yeah and I I just I loved it so much I read all of the plays I was constantly just like watching things and you know there's a thing called a national theater home there's drama online and I was just like fully engrossed in all of it mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I think I was 16 yeah 16 okay and were you aware that you might be neurodivergent at all like was that kind of on your radar no mm-hmm. uh, I mean I, like a lot of um I think neurodivergent people the pandemic was a massive like oh that's why uh, yeah. that's Mm-hmm. um I just I just thought I just liked reading and like you know a, a healthy amount and I was like yeah sure like this is normal I can like you know read a play and then quote it back yeah no, no it's normal it's normal mm-hmm. everybody does this everybody loves this um and yeah then the pandemic happened and I was like oh because a lot of people like started kind of making content and TikTok became a a thing um and I I saw it and I was like that is why I've been struggling mm-hmm. oh. um you know and then I I had an assessment and I vividly remember I was like okay I want like a woman to do it because one men are useless two you know I've read about you know misdiagnosis and blah, blah, blah. yeah and but like one of the first things she said to me she was like well you know you hold great eye contact and you're very very engaging like I don't know what are you here for and I was like um I uh I mean I was just here for like shits and gigs what are you like what do you think <laughs> and I I I I remember after she said that I was like okay right do I what do I do then do I what uh ah uh, and I was so stumped for the whole assessment that I just immediately went into masking mode <laughs> and she I don't I I, I still can't uh, wrap my head around some of the stuff she said and I I, I told my mum and she was like oh that's odd I was like yeah because she's a professional but you know even still I just that whole diagnosis um thing was just hellish and so invalidating mm-hmm. um but I guess you know it's all okay now and I am glad that I've kind of like figured out what my needs are and mm-hmm. you know it's like an access rider um uh you know in any industry is so helpful but mm-hmm. yeah definitely doing a kind of spark I was like oh my gosh I am surrounded by so many people like me thank god um and it was and I'm I'm still such good friends with all of them I think I'm, I'm moving in with Caitlin soon 
Um, oh, that's lovely. No, it's so sweet. Um, but yeah, it felt was amazing for kind of unmasking um, and finding friends. Yeah, which I think like is particularly difficult the older you get is trying to find your people. No, <laughs> I know because I'm at a weird age where I'm not. I'm not, you know, a, like a teenager friends with my home friends. Yeah. But I'm also not like I've not been through life enough to have old friends, but I have old friends, but da, 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 da. Yeah. you know, and especially being neurodivergent, it's so hard to like maintain a healthy friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really glad that I now have healthy friendships. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. um so do you mind me asking like so after that kind of assessment were you kind of put off the idea like did you have to kind of go and do another assessment to kind of um find out about yourself again or like were you really put off by the fact that she was like you can give good eye contact you're not the thing I well I don't she didn't say I wasn't this is so this is this is what happened um I went for one because the waitlist was like five years so I went for one private assessment mm-hmm. uh, and then she basically came back saying yep you're autistic and I went cool 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 um and she was like right but what needs to happen is that I can't put this on paper unless you pay me another 500 pounds for a final assessment and we were like well so so I'm what She's like, yeah, it's just like legal documents and like whatnot. Oh my gosh, no, that's what she, uh, that's one of the things that she said. So she said, um, I don't want to officially put this on paper because um, once people kind of find out you're autistic, it can stop you in later life. Oh my god! And what? I went, what? And she went, I don't want you to have that label. And I, that's why you're there. You you want to know yeah. this about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well. It, it, it's not for you to tell me what I'm I shouldn't shouldn't be labeled like Mm -hmm. what she genuinely that that sticks in my mind so much that she was like no I just you know you're normal enough basically what she's saying you're normal enough I don't need to give you this label that will drag you down this stigmatizing label and I was like well I'm here because I'm really struggling and I need you know support um yeah that was that was bizarre bizarre um and then I can't sorry I can't remember what the question was it's all right I was just kind of asking about that kind of first assessment bit but I think you've kind of answered that you know that first assessment even though you went private she didn't seem to know what she was talking about (laughs) she didn't she did not um and it just like reaffirms the idea that just like every autistic person just knows themselves so much better than mm-hmm. anyone else. Um, and I think also a lot of autistic um, women, AFAB people, and binary people, um, autistic people in general have autistic parents. So like a lot of what I was going, oh, but I I do this, mum, and she goes, yeah, but I do that. So does your father. And I'm like. Mm-hmm. No, I realize that's because you passed it on to me. Yeah, it's a whole yeah, game of us. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I think also you kind of almost get that kind of radar for like other yeah. people. You're like, oh. It's a gay yeah, literally. 
the autistic version, it's all all da all da. <laughs> it doesn't quite work as well as gay da, does it? <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah, I do. I do get that. I mean, it's really worrying to me that obviously you had to. It sounded like pay in stages just to be able to get access to paperwork that said you were autistic. Yeah. But the fact that even though you went private and you think it would be maybe even more specialist than the like the NHS, for example. But yeah. they also really didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Like how worrying for like, you know, younger children or parents going with their children and stuff like that, like to be put off and never think about it again. Like I'm I'm glad that you, you know, stuck with it and you were like, I know myself. <laughs> it's just like with the ADHD assessment as well. Um, you have to remember to send emails, fill out paperwork and send off forms. And I'm like, well, I'm going to absolutely not do that and turn it in late. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we all know the whole system is so inaccessible, but if you don't understand what's being asked of you in that assessment, mm-hmm. the, get, the chances of getting a diagnosis is very, very slim, especially as, you know, a female presenting person. Like, you know, you have to know exactly what to say. And yeah. how should you be expected to know that? Mm-hmm. And also... I'd like to think that they'd know that you'd be coming in masking like even more so as someone that works as an actor like you've kind of even yeah more... I've mastered that yeah exactly like it, it's kind of your job to mask in a way <laughs> as it terrible as that is no I wish I got paid every single day for masking yeah then I'd be so rich <laughs> <laughs> why is that not a thing like you've you've been doing that all your life unpaid and now like <laughs> you're now it's your job like you kind of feel like you should get a back payment <laughs> yeah I should get like a deposit or something yeah that'd be great set you up for life <laughs> yes thank you and I know you kind of mentioned about like working on a kind of spark we can't not talk about it but um what was it like I know you touched on it a little bit like working with like a really supportive cast and also like crew of neurodivergent people like I had a I think I watched one of their um kind of behind the scenes videos and it seemed like you were able to all kind of like see the set beforehand and like there were spaces that you could go to if you felt a bit kind of overwhelmed and it was like none of this is like you know um massive asks but you know these things really do like add up and help yeah I mean I I think for everyone and you know including myself it was a massive learning curve in terms of what are my needs are they being met Mm -hmm. Um, but I think just the hot just the cast and you know our gorgeous directors like they you know just such lovely people that you feel like you can kind of let your guard down a bit um Mm -hmm. so with that added like hey I need this this this, and this this isn't happening then I'm not going to be able to work um you know that's safety in place and you know I have to thank my agent for a lot of that Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah I mean it was it was so fun as well like you know with Ben and like you you literally we did like a zoom table read and I was like I know him Um, yeah and just being on set although I did I did I don't miss the kind of like 5am starts and having to sit in a chair and put mm-hmm. that itchy wig on oh my gosh that was horrible 
I think I saw a video of you having it like put on it looked like such a process it was and I was like why can't I just have short white blonde hair (laughs) (laughs) just as I am please I am but Ben would literally like waltz in like two hours after and have like to get someone go and then he'd be out and we'd just look be looking at him like you you yeah all right all right yeah you don't have to wear a cage hoop do you no yeah you really got the short straw there with the whole um costume setup and hair and makeup and (laughs) it got to a point I was like why did you pass me (laughs) (laughs) my word my word um no, my, my favourite costume was definitely the nightgown, which I wasn't in a lot because it was so comfy. <laughs> Do you find, like, you struggle at all in terms of, like, sensory issues from, like, costumes and makeup and stuff? Like, how do you, you know, you saying that that one was comfy compared to the, you know, the one that you were in more? Like, how do you manage that? And how does it, like, not show on your face when you're acting? <laughs> this is a thing. Like, it's a... It's, like, a, a hard line of like okay hello like you are wearing like a 16th century like corset with a big hoop it's going to be uncomfortable and also how yeah. much of that did you take mm-hmm. um and it, it did it did get especially hard like towards the end of the days with like the mic packs and you know the corset would just always be so much tighter and mm-hmm. oh it did get really difficult um but you know we were also filming in such a gorgeous location I could just like go out in the garden and I would just feel fine um but yeah it it is really difficult and you know there are times I'm like am I actually meant am I cut out for this or whatever but you know it a five minute break makes all the difference really Mm -hmm. I guess just having that escape from (laughs) everything for just a little bit um that's a good idea I guess like on a kind of spark maybe other people could relate to it but like on other things you might have done you might not have been upfront about telling people that you're really uncomfortable and really like this is kind of you know overwhelming yeah I I had a lot of I did a some like prosthetic makeup-y things for malpractice Mm -hmm. uh I remember because I like they put it on and they put it on and it was fine but you know you you spend hours just waiting on set doing nothing so I'm waiting in my and I couldn't lie down on the place that I wanted to lie down on. And I was just like, oh dear. And I couldn't kind of put my head down because my hair was all styled in this very intricate, gorgeous way. And I could not wait to take that off. Um, mm. But, you know, then I saw the scene on screen and I was like, oh my God, that looks so cool. That was so worth it. <laughs> you know surrounded by everyone else you can kind of take your mind off it a bit mm-hmm. I filmed my practice first oh did you okay yeah I mean I, I I don't know why I'm saying like I filmed my practice I had a trailer I was literally I was not there for long I see oh no like, no I was, I was thinking this is such good show real stuff yeah <laughs> like where are my lines oh I know anyway um yeah, I mean, you always get, like, post, you know, like, job depression and, you know, mm-hmm. since it kind of not actually worked. Um, I've not actually gotten another gig. Um, and so, it, uh, I mean, it is a really hard industry to be in, full mm-hmm. stop. 
but especially when you need a routine need planning and you know if you don't have a routine like what am I going to do all day um and so it is a really tricky industry full stop but especially for neurodevelopment people it's just like it's hell so just waiting for your agent to go yep you got the role or no and like it's heartbreaking oh like imagine how terrifying that is like to know like oh okay I'm filming for three months and this is my daily structure and it's very rigid and like times are set and then to not have that all of a sudden like I I get what you mean about like that kind of like mourning of that structure but also not knowing what's next like it does sound terrifying I mean it's 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 especially horrible when you get so close to something Mm -hmm. Uh, I was was so close to something like pretty big um and then um I got the call saying no and it was just like you know spent like months auditioning and then you hear back and you're like and do I do with myself I have nothing to look forward to um and to not take it like personally oh oh, yeah it was so and especially when you get feedback you're and like sometimes the feedback is a bit problematic um Mm -hmm. and hurts and when you get that like specific feedback you just go oh oh it's okay it's okay I'm fine mm-hmm. and beauty of this industry there will be something else um and there you know there has been so now I'm just kind of waiting for a call on one thing I really want mm-hmm. um and then if I don't get it there'll be another thing um it's just a matter of you know will it stick yeah Probably not but <laughs> mm-hmm. and I guess like in the meantime of like waiting like are you pitching your like picturing yourself in the role like oh my gosh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh, I just um I mean I wish I had a tape for um a Mission Impossible film but like I'm now obsessed with Rebecca Ferguson and those films mm-hmm. like I'm really hyper fixating on her um and I I keep playing the soundtrack and like imagining myself I'm like yeah okay what I would do is like run Tom Cruise jump off this building <laughs> do it. and then with this I do like that and then but bam 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 um for, like for, um, I don't I, there's there's no way that I would ever be in one of those films ever but my god will I listen to the soundtrack and go yeah yeah so this is the stunt I would do my costume would be like this and then me and Rebecca Ferguson would get married you know <laughs> but you've got it planned and should you know any opportunity arise you are available yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready always available and I also I've I've made up like a backstory about how I got how I got the role and I think every actor's also pretended that they're you know on the Graham Norton show and oh yeah all the awards accepting and stuff like that so yeah. you know ask me I can like lightning recite it back mm-hmm and talking of like reciting things back how how do you kind of like prepare for a role like for example in like a series like how do you learn that amount of lines like do you kind of break them down like anything else that you know you kind of have to do to prepare I would love to say that I am an actor that extensively prepares and whatnot but I don't <laughs> I I'm I can 
I can look at a piece of text and go right cool got it you know that's a skill (laughs) no it is it's very helpful um (laughs) I would say my method is more like Olivia Coleman who does nothing Uh, (laughs) no I, I do I kind of there are certain beats of a scene that you need to hit and you know you get notes from the director on the day and you're like right okay I need to do this 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 and you know it's completely different working in theatre um you know I'll, I'll definitely spend a lot of time if it's a th- piece of theatre but I think with screen it's just like it's so immediate and so choppy and changey that it's very very and things like change on the day as well it's very hard to like prepare and it not kind of go AWOL mm-hmm. and I was like I love like I, you know that's why I love theatre so much it's like the spontaneity of it and I always I always try and bring that into screen work because it is much less spontaneous I think yeah um and especially you know with someone like a character where you can't like Eleanor like she's not very spontaneous at all um she's very planning and and whatnot uh I think that was actually quite difficult not to <laughs> like there are there are a couple of moments in the show where I think I let the best of my like, kind of get myself get away from the character because I was like let's do something funny um and then I watched it back and I was like ooh, I probably shouldn't have done that and I'm not sure why it made it in <laughs> um, that says something about you know what they were kind of looking for or what they yeah. were like oh you know that comes across really well yeah I'll we'll stick with that um, mm-hmm. <laughs> most most of the time it was the end of the day and I was like Mm, I want to do something fun mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I guess also like you have to kind of put your own stamp on things as well like obviously you're playing this character but there's kind of you know there's got to be a bit of you in it as well and especially if you're getting to the end of the day like yeah I get that <laughs> yeah no definitely and do you have I mean in between kind of you know when you do have jobs do you Mm. have any kind of like downtime like kind of special interests or hobbies like a lot of downtime um I am chronically unemployed Mm -hmm. Um, but I think whenever this this is the one thing why I kind of didn't relate to the autistic experience because like I didn't have like an area that I was like obsessed with like something like I don't know um uh, I, I can't think of anything it was more like people and like a film mm-hmm. you know I remember being so obsessed with like actresses and I would learn everything there is to know about them and and whatnot and, and films as well you know I'd watch a film and immediately fall in love and just go right I need to know everything about this film mm-hmm. and so right now it is Rebecca Ferguson, the love of my life. And so, I mean, Bridesmaids. I can, I love that film so much. I It's such a comfort film. Um, mm-hmm. And also, what else, I, what else do I do with my, what else do I do? <laughs> is, I did put you on the spot. Like, what, you know, what is your life? What, who am I? Yeah. No, I also, I do, I love to see what people are working on next. So like, I'll, see a director that I really want to work with and I'll see what they're doing next and spend like hours like crafting emails and researching mm-hmm. the project and pulling strings from people that I know might be involved and mm-hmm. I think also that 
definitely is something that I kind of hyperfixate and kind of put my um all of my tism into what were we talking about we were talking about oh yeah special interests um and things oh uh, cats oh tell me about cats no cats as in the film or as in the animals no, no as in the animals <laughs> Oh my God. We were talking about films. <laughs> I was going to say, like, really? It's... Cats the film? It's no, I wouldn't go for that. It's rubbish. <laughs> it's not rubbish. It's just got James Corden in it. So immediately I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like everyone's a bit like, oh, he's in it. <laughs> again? Really? Again? Yeah, exactly. Not again. Um, do you have any cat? Yes, I have a cat. Oh. I have a cat with her nickname tattooed on me as well. Oh. <laughs> That's cute. What's her name? Well, her full name is Puzzles Purvis, but we call her call her Honey. That's her main nickname. Honey, Fruit Bat, the Mighty Balls, Paws, um, Small Fruits, the Silliest Fruit, Mrs. Silliness, the Victorian Lady, Seal. You know, like I think every cat owner has so many ridiculous nicknames for their child um mm-hmm. that when you say it out loud it's you know it sounds like I might need a little bit of help but <laughs> oh no I think yeah that's that is the joy of owning a pet is all the ridiculous names that they understand when you say them <laughs> yeah yeah that's true mm-hmm. oh that's so cute and so will this cat be moving with you as well no oh. no will stay put um, I really, me and Caitlin really want to get a tortoise. Um, <gasps> That'd be cute. No, because my mum's friend um, has some. <laughs> she, my mum just told me she's like, hey, yeah, um, uh, our friend, whatever her name is, um, has now got loads of tortoises. Would you like one? I mean, I mean yes, I would love a tortoise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that might be a new thing. Have you seen have you seen the like videos online where they like take them out of their like pens to clean them and they put them on little like toy cars and they just like whiz around the room while the owner's cleaning? It's so much. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Although the only thing I think about tortoises is you don't you have to put them away for like six months? Yeah, they just go to sleep, which I think is fine. Like you just what, like put them in a little blanket and true. I just feel like I miss them in that time. <laughs> I, I would miss them too, but I understand the 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 long nap kind of. Yeah, true. Yeah, like sometimes. I mean, I I am a chronic napper, um, and so I can't judge. I can't judge. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. You you understand it on a <laughs> on a human level. I get you. Yeah, yeah, spiritual. Mm-hmm can people follow you online and where can people watch you I feel like that's that's always a good kind of ending kind of bit <laughs> yes um <clears throat> you can um follow me on Elamazy Purvis on Instagram um and if Rebecca Ferguson you're listening um I'm free for Mission Impossible um you know we can talk contract and whatnot happy to do my own stunts um See, what's not to like <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm free and willing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes, my my agent is um, a talent group for any any needs. Any if you want me to be on your show, I will probably do it because I'm bored. 
Um, but yes, there is, that is, that is it. That is mm-hmm. it. And I'm assuming things that you have been in are on catch up that people can watch. Yes. Like. Yeah. Please watch BBC. I play as a kind of spark. Um, I am fabulous in it. And <laughs> there's everyone else. I am so amazing, Rebecca Ferguson. Um, you should watch it as well. Um, yes, but please tell CBBC to give us a season two and, yes. you know, that'd be great. Oh, that would be so good. And I feel like even just like from seeing people's tweets and stuff, like people want it. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Yeah, we need this in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> amazing um so I will link all of those um things that you said um in the show notes so people can just like click on the links um yeah thank you so much for chatting to me that's Um, okay it's been a lovely chat